0: I bounced out of bed this morning, um, and it was like, I, I just couldn't wait to be back. So good to see you guys, and, um, and good to see all our friends. Where do I look to say hello to the people who are watching? I just look at a camera. Look up, where, there, right there. Hi, guys, <laughs> in the good. I, um, now, hey, it's confession time. I i am about to confess to you and I just realized we've got an ex-policeman here I'm about to confess a day when I broke the rules um, and it's a long time ago they weren't just some house rules or some church rules they were Victoria police rules John John is an ex-policeman can we keep this between us John and I'm fearful that Sergeant Stuart Henderson may be watching as well. Um, Stuart, if you're watching, just close your ears for a moment. All right. This happened in 1986. And it's like, and I'm, I'm making light of it, but it's like, I, I could have gotten in trouble for this, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna bring it out in the open today, all right? 1986, I was a fresh faced young cop, now, I got out of the police force in 1997, so they, they can't come after me now, can they? You don't think? And Valmay, here, her son's a senior, I'm, I'm putting myself in front of all sorts of police without even realising it. Her son's a senior sergeant at Mill Park Police Station. Don't tell him. I've got to get this off my chest. Okay, it was the 19. 19- 86, like were you guys even alive back then? 1986, it was the VFL, which is now the AFL Grand Final. I had never been to a Grand Final before, and I was rostered as a young cop. And so, 1986, I was 20 years old. Uh, I was rostered to work there. Awesome! I going to the footy for nothing, you know. I watched the footy. Anyway, so we go there, and this is back, like it was different now, way down in the bowels of the MCG somewhere was the police rooms, you know, and it's the grand final, and so lots and lots of cops there, and we have a briefing about what's going to happen. I find out that I'm in a group, and there's a sergeant in charge of us, and then three of us, Uh, myself, another male police member, and a female police member. So there's four of us, sergeant and three, and we're, and our job's a good one, I find out in the briefing. We are just like a, like a floating general duties unit in what is, it, it, now we'd call it the Great Southern Stand. So we, we don't have a specific job we're doing. We're just floating around just to help with whatever's got to happen. Awesome. <laughs> and I watched the footy. Then they split us into our small groups and our sergeant tells us what they didn't tell us in the briefing, and that is, yeah, great, we're a general duties unit, but one of us has to stay in the police rooms um, just to help out. Like, like, when you're in the police rooms, you, you don't have a view of the game. You don't get to see the game, you know? And so, I'm like, oh, yeah. Now, I know... The, the female police member that's in our group, I know her, she's in my squad, at the, she's a squad mate of mine the police academy, and I know her, and I know she's got zero interest in football. Like, she doesn't even like the football, doesn't know anything about it either. It's like, it's nothing to her. Something, well, that's okay, like, you know. And, and the sergeant looks and he says, So who wants to stay in the rooms? And there's just stone cold silence no one says anything I'm thinking it's okay like surely he's going to work out that she like she doesn't want to watch the footy and he looks at me and says okay well you can stay in the rooms like it's my first ever grand final you can stay in the rooms at least then he said you can stay in the room for the first quarter And then he looked at the, I think the other, I think he maybe looked at the girl and said she could stay for the second quarter. The guy, you can stay for the third quarter. I'm thinking that's right. And then he looks back at me and says, and you can stay in there for the last quarter. So I've just been banished to the, it's my first ever, and I've been banished to the police rooms for the first quarter and the last quarter for the opening bounce and for the final siren. I'm going to be in the police rooms. So here's the Confession. And I want to know what I did. They all left to go and do their patrol and then when it was getting close to game time I looked around and just slipped out the door. (laughs) It's really bad isn't it? And then I just went and watched the game. I just stood there and watched the game. And then right right just before quarter time I quickly raced back down. So by the time the quarter time siren went, I was in the rooms, you know, and everyone, yeah, hi and I did the same thing in the last quarter as well. How bad's that? You guys all ashamed of me? Who's proud of me though for showing a bit of dash? June, thank you. Like I, I reckon I showed initiative that day, and if they want to come after me for that now, um, I, I hope they don't. <laughs> Irresponsible in the extreme. Now, you see, I knew, I knew my, like, I knew that there was a like, there's a whole lot bigger world out there than down, sort of just about underground in the MCG, some dingy, dark police rooms. way bigger you you thought there was life in the police rooms You, you wait till you get out there and see Hawthorne smash Carlton for the VFL premiership it's a big wide world out there isn't it hey it's big for us too who follow Jesus um you know you know that feeling when things are a you suddenly start seeing that things are a bit bigger than what you first realized. And then once you start looking, you just realize they're not just, they're bigger and they're bigger and they're bigger. You know, you know the feeling? And and like, and you're like me, there's no way you can just stay in the rooms. You wouldn't even be living if you did that. You gotta get out and gotta get out and do it. And the other thing is, too. Yeah, it's a big world, big, big, big world, but, but we're pretty protective too, aren't we? And we don't always like it when things change. Now, who likes change? Who here likes. What about if we ask it a different way? Who here does not like change? Who doesn't like change? See, it's more of us than do. See, I, I'd say that at the moment, the way we are, we're more aware than ever before of racial tension and discrimination in our world. We're, we're, and it is more than just race, we, we put people in other categories too, don't we? You know, like their, their socioeconomic status, uh, their religious background, their sexual persuasion, their political leanings. So this morning, I wanted to ask, if we're in a world like that, that's racial tension, discrimination... Socioeconomic status, religious background, sexual persuasion, political leanings—you know—all all all these categories that we put people in. The question I wanted to ask is: How does the good news of Jesus? How does the good news of Jesus, as we learn about it from God's Word, how does the good news of Jesus integrate and impact on all of that? Has it has it reached into it? Now, you remember this, I've got a photo of you. this is still active now, but the photo, where am I looking for the photo, am I going to see, there, see, remember, remember this, when, who remembers the mosque in Bendigo, remember when that, that they were going to build the mosque in Bendigo, it's about five years ago, no one remembers, man this was big, big, like, oh you do remember that, you were just, you were just slow to put your hands up, that's all, like, and then I looked. I remembered it, and so I looked it up on Facebook. There's, this Facebook group still running. The, the group is called "Stop the Mosque in Bendigo." You know this outcry about the mosque. Stop the Muslims. We, you know, you, you know, like the, the colloquial phrase, and we get on. We can't let the Muslims take over. We've all heard that before, haven't we? By the way. I just, I just thought the way that came out, that wasn't what I'm saying. I'm saying that's what we hear from people. The message. We can't let the Muslims take over. Us Christians. And so we see that as we're standing our ground. And we don't want this message of ours getting watered down or filtered out, do we? You know the feeling? We're militant. Or militant about keeping it right. You, you know, you know, for you, you know, when you just feel comfortable and safe. And you don't, you, you don't want anyone trying to shift you out of that. Like, you, you'd prefer, have you ever felt this? You, you'd prefer to be with Christians, people who are Christians. And, and if they're not Christians, like church going Christians well at least hopefully then they'll be Anglo and they'll at least be from a Judeo-Christian background so they'll be decent safe people. Ever think like this? We don't want to be with Muslims we don't want to be with gays (laughs) And and we don't want We might say we do, but we don't want the street poor. We tend to want to stick in our group, don't we? And we tend to want things to stay a bit the same in our group. Now, Peter, Peter's a man's man. We know that. He grew up in Bethsaida. And we've seen these last few weeks that he had his life tipped upside down by Jesus of Nazareth. And one more thing that we actually know about Peter was that he grew up as a, quote, unquote, normal Jew. Just normal. So for Peter, as a Jew, it was always part of his worldview. Always part of his worldview that he would be in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Um, that he would strictly adhere to the prescribed Jewish way of life. And practice. And and you're saying, what's that? I mean, there was a lot to it. But some of the things that meant was, you know what? It meant that he had never been in the home of a Gentile. And Gentiles, remember, they're just people who are not Jews. So for Peter, if he's a Jew, it means he'd never been in the home of a Gentile. Not allowed. He hadn't sat and ate, uh, eaten a meal with a Gentile. He's talking with someone just recently, um, not someone who you guys know, not a family that you guys know, telling me about a family of someone uh, who are Christians. This person was telling me about it is not a Christian. Met this family and he said, Jeff, like, I, in all the time I've known, I've, I've never ever seen them with people in their home who were not Christians (laughs) and he was asking me you're a pastor like is that is that the way it should be and I'm like no (laughs) anyway Peter had never been in a Gentile home never sat at a Gentile table and had what we would call table fellowship with them, because Jews would not do that and they like to stick to their own too just like we do um, so outsiders, the Jewish people saw outsiders as dangerous and problematic uh, more to Peter, another thing that he'd done because he's a normal Jew, is he'd stuck to the normal Jewish dietary laws um, and they're, they're, they're ones that forbid all sorts of eating but especially any what, what, what we call unclean animals um, includes a lot of different sorts of animals who are unclean but one of them uh, and one of the big ones uh, pigs so no pork no bacon no ham like my life's a misery now like oh man roast pork I I would just about give my life for roast pork (laughs) hey yeah like anyway so Peter you've seen in these last few weeks he's a rough and ready fisherman and yet, he's loud and brash and he's forthright, and he'd shaked and quivered and denied that he knew Jesus. We saw all that. And he had lots to say, but he didn't back it up with action. He made a habit of doing that. But Jesus just kept his gaze on this fisherman and bit by bit transformed his life. And while all that was happening up until this point, Peter's still a really good Jew, he's a good man. And he's also a good Jew. And now it's not so long after the first ever church. We we, we usually refer to it as the early church. Not so long after it got started in Jerusalem. And Peter, remember, Peter was its leader because Jesus had told him long before this that that he's the rock on which Jesus was going to build his church. Peter's the leader of the church. And it's not stopping there because we're going to see this just the next few minutes. The world's getting a lot bigger. Hey, there's a there's a bigger world out there. We ain't staying in the police rooms. Like the world's bigger. Um, and, and and it doesn't just because the world's bigger, it, it doesn't it doesn't devalue the Jews. But it just says the world's a lot bigger than the Jews. The world's not just the Jews. Now in those early days, real early days, check out with me, this is just the growing up and the stretching out of Christianity that was going on. Early Christianity, you can see it all in the book of Acts if you want to check it out sometime. Briefly, though, it's growing and it's stretching and it's getting bigger. It's it's, it's more bigger than just the Jews. Uh, Now maybe, by the way, you're sitting here this morning and and, and that's that's what's happening for you right now. Like The world's getting bigger. At this time in your life, you, you your faith is expanding and your vision what you can see it's growing and you're gradually being blown away because when it gets bigger you get blown away because this is big, 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 big big, and it's really dawning on you and it it's not just something that's big but you're realising when Jesus gets hold of your life that, that you're actually big in this too because Jesus in you is big so yeah the world is getting bigger but you're realising hey I'm part of this it's good and you're realising too you're not just a fisherman you're not just a teacher or a retail worker or a personal carer grandma or a, you're, you're not just making up the numbers you're starting to You're starting to see that, and you're getting a grip on it. That Jesus is in you, and He's big in you, hey. So look what's happening for these first-century Jesus followers, Um, the Hellenic Jews we call them, uh, Acts chapter six. That's they're just Greek-speaking Jews, Um, as opposed to the the Hebrew-speaking Jews. We call them the Grecian Jews or the Hellenic Jews. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says that as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Now growth rarely comes easy. Because it almost always involves change. See, when you're growing, you're changing. And Peter's the leader of the church, remember? And you've got these this rumblings between these groups. So he's across this, and there's, there's hassles between the ethnic groups in the church. All right? Uh, look at Acts chapter 8. Um, you see now this region of Samaria. It says there, uh, verse 1, "...a great wave of persecution began, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles fled." into Judea and Samaria. That's, I mean, in other words, outside of Jerusalem. Church started in Jerusalem, they're outside. But they they didn't just scatter in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. And Peter, the leader of the church, he's across this too. So the naked eye, it looks a bit like the church is being hassled. and it's, 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 gonna, it's all started with the murder of Stephen, one of their leaders. And it looks like, if you look at that with the naked eye, you think the church isn't going to survive this. They're going to fold. You know, I read this week of a survey, a large number of pastors in America, and 30% of them do not expect their churches to survive during and after COVID-19. Wow. And Peter, the fisherman, he's the leader of the church. His life's been changed by Jesus. He's back in Jerusalem. And I mean, they've got all this change going on. When you've got murders of key people, you're thinking, we're not going to survive. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 8, when the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 25, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news to them too. And after all that expansion, it says it in Acts chapter nine, verse 31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria and it grew in strength and numbers All right, look now um, Aeneas and Dorcas, this is in Acts chapter 9 Peter's travelling from place to place to visit the believers, in his travel he comes to the town of Lydda and there he meets this man named Aeneas, it tells us in Acts chapter 9 verse 33, he'd been paralysed and bedridden for 8 years verse 34 Peter says to him, Aeneas Jesus Christ heals you get up, (laughs) hey, hey, and if you're listening in, guess what he says to him? Get up and make your bed. Make your bed. Make your bed. Uh, Good advice That, And, And anyway, and it says it, and he was healed instantly. And as a result, massive numbers of people, the whole population of the town, we're told, turns to faith in Jesus. Peter's in Lydda, and there's a believer in Joppa. That's another town nearby. Her name is Tabitha. If you put it in Greek, her name is Dorcas. Dorcas. You know what her nickname is, don't you? And she becomes ill, and she dies. Her friends are getting her body all ready for the funeral and burial. Someone then hears that Peter is in litter, so not far away, it's in verse 38. They send two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. And you guess what happened already, didn't you? Peter comes to Joppa, goes into the dead woman's room and she is healed. She's raised from the dead. Wow. You ever start getting scared? You know, when things are, expanding out and expanding and growing you ever start feeling a little bit vulnerable tad shaky even under threat you know when the work's growing there are jews right now all this is happening and there are jews back in jerusalem and they're out of sorts with what's happening because they thought this message was for them but now man it's going everywhere and the samaritans and the gentiles and then acts chapter 10 a guy called cornelius No sooner is Aeneas been healed from his paralysis in Lydda and Dorcas has been raised from the dead in Joppa, than there's a man nearby in Caesarea and his name's Cornelius. He is Roman, this guy. He's Italian. He's a captain of the Italian regiment there. But it says, He's a devout man who fears the God of Israel, as did his entire household. That's in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Now you watch now, just come with me for an action-packed few days. Look at this, Um, 3 p.m., 1,500 hours, you know, military time, day one. Cornelius, his home in Caesarea. Um, An angel comes to him, calls him by name, he calls out Cornelius. And promptly then the angel says to Cornelius, because it's a vision, he says to him, I want you to send some men to Joppa. There's a guy called Simon Peter there, we know who that is, Peter. All right, And he's staying there with another guy whose name is also Simon. He's a leather worker. Near, the, If you want to know a leather worker, that's an uncommon trade these days. All right? Anyone know a leather worker? I do. And I think many of you do too. Andres Dupree is a leather worker. All right? Anyway, back to the story. It wasn't Andres, it was, it was Simon. Um, he's a leather worker. He lives on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. And so the angel says to Cornelius, you send a couple of men, get Simon Peter who's staying with Simon the leather worker there and bring him back. Um, Now it's these guys, so he dispatches a couple of guys. It's 12 noon the next day now, day two. Peter's in Joppa. He goes up on the roof of his house just before noon. He's going to pray and they're making lunch downstairs. So now he has a vision. You can read it in Acts chapter 10. And it's freaky. It's like building a mosque in Bendigo, this. I mean, it's, it's just like you feel when everything's getting a bit uncomfortable and, and you don't want the change and it's stretching and it's bigger and, than what you're on. And, and he sees in this vision this big sheet coming down out of the sky. <laughs> how, how weird. And it's got all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds on it. And you know when he's seeing it, remember he's a good Jew, who doesn't eat unclean animals, and there's all these unclean animals on the sheep. And the voice says to him, freak me out, it says, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. Um, never, Lord, I've never in all my life eaten anything forbidden by our Jewish laws. And the voice speaks to him, just like it speaks to you today, my friend. Um, and it says, if God says something is acceptable, don't you say it isn't. If God said, I love the people who are going to go into that mosque in Bendigo. My son died for them. Don't you say I don't. If I say something's acceptable, don't you say it isn't. Happens again and again and again. This while Peter's there, he's trying to catch his breath. The Holy Spirit says to him, Hey Peter, just while right now, like it's 12 the, the three men have actually arrived downstairs. They've come looking for you. Um, I want you to go downstairs. Hey Peter, go with them without any hesitation. All is well for I have sent them. And he does, he talks to the men then they have a sleepover in Joppa that night and then Peter leaves with them the next morning and they walk for two days to Caesarea. And now it's 3 p.m. and it's on day five because they've walked for a few days. See this? They arrive in Caesarea. Peter explains the whole range of the good news of Jesus to Cornelius and to his household. He's a Roman, remember? He's, he's not a Jew. And his family, the whole household, meets Jesus. They're all baptized. And read all about it again in Acts chapter 11 because you better believe it because Peter needs to explain himself when he gets back to Jerusalem. They want to know hey, what's going on here? So that's Acts chapter 11 when he explains it. See this map? It just shows you where, 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 what happened. Um, like, so you get an idea. Jerusalem is right there. And Peter goes from Jerusalem to Lydda, to Joppa, to Caesarea. And then back to Jerusalem. So, friends, what's it do to you? I went to visit this lady from my... This wasn't this church. Last church. And we, we, we had a fair bit of stuff happening in the church. And, 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 it, and I, felt, I felt that a lot of it was good, you know, but... Um, we were, we were experiencing some change and we kind of had to change because quite frankly, if we didn't, you know, we were stuck a long time previous. And um, anyway, I went to see Mrs. Brown one day and I remember, you know, a typical beautiful lady in the church elderly lady and you know her and she had her husband there but he didn't say anything the whole time it was just mrs brown that was doing the talking and when i got there she had you know a plate of sandwiches all made up and cup of tea and that sort of stuff um sit and talk very pleasant and then i just said to her you know um mrs brown um by the end i said it kind of sounds to me like i said i i said it like this i said it kind of sounds to me like um that if people want to come to our church then they've got to be like us and they have to fit in with us we don't have to fit in with them and she looked at me and we'd been very pleasant until then she'd been pretty forthright in what she said but it had been pleasant she looked at me and she said young man that's exactly what I'm saying young man hey friends just quickly you know what the mission is for all of us mission is for all of us it wasn't just for Peter um, but it, like, it wasn't just for Peter but it was for Peter as well it's for all of us all the believers, by virtue of the fact that they've become believers, they're part of the mission. Peter was there. He was right there when Jesus had spoken his last words on earth before going back to heaven. And Jesus speaks there, you look at in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. He speaks to all of the believers sure Peter was there but he was only one of them all of them look at, what, look at what Jesus said you know these words probably you probably do have seen them before good chance of it I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth Jesus says therefore go and make disciples of all the nations and we, we just got to understand when Jesus is speaking there he's speaking to all the believers and the truth is that Jesus good news is literally for everyone on earth It's not just the Jews, not just the us's, it's for everyone. And and then, you know, secondly, the the mission makes no distinction for people. And whether you're a first century Jew or a 21st century Melbourneian, and if you're living beside a mosque or if you've got a heroin injecting room in your street or you're staunchly opposed to same-sex marriage, or you're Mrs. Brown from Surrey Hills. You may not like it. But my friend, God is really, really clear on it. He says it. In Christ, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. Doesn't exist anymore. No longer slave or free or male or female. For you are all Christians, you're all one in Christ Jesus. Those categories, those groups you put people in, they mean nothing when it comes to the good news of Jesus. Nothing, 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 nothing. Jesus' good news is for literally everyone on earth. And you know, finally, friends, the, the, the mission, it's, it's especially for outsiders. Peter got himself stretched big time. So did Mrs. Brown. <laughs> um... Peter saw Jesus not just not just welcoming outsiders. You know, it's not like just well we will we'll talk to the Gentiles, but actually going out of his way. Every time Jesus did it, every time you read about this in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Pharisees, the teachers of the Lord, the religious people, the Jews, they they got out of sorts about it. They were indignant. They grumbled. So one day they asked Jesus' friends in Matthew chapter 9 verse 11, they said, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? You know what Jesus said? It's in Matthew chapter 9 verse 12 healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus' good news is for literally everyone on earth. Let us pray together, friends. Let's pray. Um, Thank you so much, Jesus, for your good news. Wow, it is. It's good news. Best news ever. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. That's the good news, that you died on the cross and you did that to rescue me. And each of my brothers and sisters here in the building with me this morning, each of my friends who are watching on their screen, and every other person who ever breathed breath, you died on the cross to give us the chance to have our sins forgiven and to experience new life, what we call salvation. That's the good news. Thank you. Thanks for your reminder to us this morning that that news is for everyone. Keep us looking outwards, please. Keep us looking outwards. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.